Good morning, Grace. Today I'm going to be reading our scripture passage, which comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. So if you would like to turn in your Bibles, Luke chapter 15, and in the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 874. Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God. Good morning again, church. It's beautiful to be able to sing about his grace, isn't it? Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us online. We're continuing our series on pictures of disciple-making. Today we'll be looking at how disciple-making is a picture of us seeking and finding that which was lost. Today's sermon is titled, Lost and Found. In Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 10. Have you ever been lost? I know I have. It was when I was nine years old. It was the year 2000. Y2K. My family decided to take us all out to D.C. And they had a big parade, a big festival out there. And there was lights, there were fireworks, thousands of people. And I'm just amazed and I'm just looking around at everything, and everything's just catching my eye. Before I knew it, I looked up, and I wasn't walking with my family any longer. It was in that moment I knew I was lost. And I started to panic. I started to freak out. Where are they? And I saw a police officer parked on the side. I went up to him with tears in my eyes. I'm wailing at this point. I said, I can't find my family. He tells me to get in the back of his car, and he gives me a stick of chewing gum to calm me down. <laughs> Which it did. I think it was juicy fruit, and it was... <laughs> I don't, it stopped me cr- from crying, that's for sure. And, be, and, and time went by. People are leaving. Before you know it, the whole place is cleared out. And I hear him in his, on his radio, he says... I think we're going to have to take them downtown. And in my young mind, I'm like, downtown? (laughs) Not downtown. Everybody knows what happens downtown. 
And then he drives off. And, be, and I look up, and who do I see? My family. Looking for me. Searching for me diligently. And I said, there they are right there. Stop this car. Stop this car. They're right there. And I get out. I run to them. They embrace me. They're like, this is your kid? I said, they say, yes. I was lost, and I was found. What about you? Have you ever been lost? Or have you ever lost something of great value, of great significance to you? Maybe it, maybe it was a kid. I mean, it was a year ago, me and my wife lost our, our, our youngest son. We're at Williamsburg, and you guys know if you've been to Williamsburg, there's a lot there, right? And they're showing us these wooden guns, and the kids are excited, and they're looking all through it. Before we know it, my youngest son, Beckett, nowhere to be found. And if you know Beckett, he is a little sheep in himself. He is, yes, yeah, so we, we love him. He's a, he's, a, he's a gentle, loving sheep. And, and my heart realized, and I made this vote because I experienced it as a kid. I was like, I would never let my kid experience something like that. Right? And here we are. Beckett's lost. So I stand up and I'm looking for him. And I see him. And I run after him. He doesn't even know. He's just looking around. It's like, it sounds like Beckett, right? He's just looking around. And I embraced him. I almost put him on my shoulders, but I didn't. But I carried him back to our, to our family, to our friends. So I found him. So what about you? What, maybe it's been a wallet or a phone, purse, a very important document. Maybe it's your phone, your keys, right? We hate when we lose our keys. Maybe, what did you do? When you realized you lost it, what did you do in that moment? I'm sure you sought after it diligently, persistently until you found it. If, if it was really precious to you, I'm sure when you found it, you made, know, you made someone else know, hey, rejoice with me. What was lost is now found. See, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus, Jesus gives us three short parables these three short stories. But today, this morning, we're only going to focus on the first two. See, Jesus gives us a couple of images of what it means to make disciples. So lesson number one, disciple making is being a friend to the outsider. See, there's a pattern in the gospel of Luke, if you're familiar with it. There's always an event or some sort of questions that prompts Jesus to go in and share in these short stories. He always gives us an intro before he tells us these stories. You see, here in Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it says, The sinners and the test collectors were drawing near to him to hear him. And then the Pharisees and the scribes, they grumbled. You know why they grumbled? They didn't like the company that Jesus was associating himself with. He was, keeping them, he was with sinners and test collectors. You see, if you know anything about the Pharisees and the scribes, they are the religious leaders who, in their eyes, they're good guys. Look, we, we're keeping the law. We're doing all the things that God is calling us to do. And if you're familiar with Psalms 1, Psalms 1 says this. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Right? Who, see, who sits not with the scoffers. So in their eyes, they're good. I'm keeping the law. But this Jesus, this Jesus... He's questionable. You see, they have hardened their hearts against Jesus and his teachings. See, the religious, the religious leaders were so concerned about their own self-righteousness that they refused to teach God's righteousness to someone else, to the outsiders. You see, they would be so, so rather to be so comfortable in their own places of worship, 
instead of leaving and going out and, and, and meeting people right where they are. You see, in that culture, sitting down with someone and eating with them, you are identifying yourself with that person. You see, this is why in Luke chapter 7, verse 34, Jesus says this. He said, the Son of Man has come eating. This is that he said to Jesus. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton, a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. See, Jesus, Jesus, what people thought Jesus was for hanging out with these people. He has to be a drunkard. He has to be a glutton. A friend of tax collectors and sinners. See, sinner is a general term. Meaning non-Pharisee, non, non-religious, non, it's, you're, you're unclean. You're ritually unclean. Those who are not walking in God's ways, those who are sinning and living their lives the way they please. See, they are sinning in the eyes of the Pharisees, but also in the eyes of God. You see, tax collectors, on the other hand, is a very narrow category of people. They were Jews who worked for the Roman Empire. They would, collect, they would collect taxes from the citizens of Rome, and they would also charge them a little bit more, a little interest, so they can put in their pockets to keep, them, to keep themselves rich. They were, considered, they were considered traitors and outcasts from the Jewish society because of their lying, their cheating, and their trickery. See, these are the people that were drawing near to Jesus to hear him. who Jesus received and ate with and welcomed. It's almost like you, you're going down the street and you go to Chick-fil-A and, and who do you bump into? You see Pastor Mark, right? And he's sitting with this the notorious drug dealer of the city of Bowie, right? What would come to mind? You say, that, that's my pastor. He always loved to serve. He loved the sinners. Look at him doing what God calling him to do, right? Is that your response? I love him. But seriously, if you saw one of your elders at a local shop and they sit in with someone with a Black Life Matters t-shirt on, right? Would you say, I knew it. I knew they were on the left. <laughs> or, or, or the other side, if you had a mega hat on, right? I knew he was on the right. You see, that's, that's the heart of the Pharisees. If that's your heart attitude, you may be having the heart of the Pharisees and the scribes. You see, are you okay with Jesus eating with sinners? Are you okay with that he receives them, the outcasts, the outsiders? Could it even be possible that God is calling us, church, to socialize with, with people who we don't agree with, who we don't see eye to eye with? Listen, you do not have to agree with everyone and all their different positions in order to love them and to share the very love of Christ with them. You see, it's when, when, when we take seriously what Jesus is calling us to do, to love our neighbor as ourselves, and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to not to be conformed to this world, but to turn this world upside down by the gospel. 
Take a look at how Jesus answered the same question. The Pharisees is now questioning his disciples. This is later on in the, in the Gospel of Luke. He says, and the Pharisees and the scribes, they were grumbled at his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. See, Jesus is saying, See, I hang out with sinners because they have a need. They have a need and I have a cure. When you go to a doctor, you, you, you know that you're sick. Fussy me, I'm stubborn. I won't I've never step foot in a doctor until I know for sure they're going to help me out, right? See, that's the kind of people that Jesus is calling to follow him. See, these are the kind of people that are drawing near to Jesus to hear from him. We see this lived out when Jesus, um, he, he, he encounters a tax collector named Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, he was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he, right? That should be a song, shouldn't it? <laughs> see, he climbed up that sycamore tree because the Lord, he wanted to see. And Jesus came up to that tree and said, Zacchaeus, you come down. I'm going to your house today. And, and what did Zacchaeus do? Actually, before that, what did the people do? They grumbled. They grumbled. He's associating with this tax collector. And then Zacchaeus, in his house, he says, God, I will give everything I have to the poor, half of what I have to the poor. And anyone I have defrauded, I'm going to give back four times. You know what Jesus told Zacchaeus? He says, tonight, salvation has come to this house. For the Son of Man has come not to seek, to seek and save that which was lost. So question for you to ponder. Who is the outsider in your life? Who is that person that you want to step foot in the house with, to eat with, to fellowship with, to have a relationship with? Is it your neighbor? Your co-worker? that you don't see eye to eye with? See, who can you invite over to your house this week to get to know, to love? You see, that's why we're excited about Grace Gives, right? Grace Gives, we have a huge opportunity to, get, to make some new friends, don't we? And those friends can quickly become into, turn into family. You have the opportunity to welcome and receive people who are different than you, church. I pray that we would take on that very heart of our Savior. That we would go and disciple making is seeking diligently for the lost. It's lesson two. See, take a look at how Jesus addresses the heart of these Pharisees, these, these grumbling spiritual leaders regarding his association with these tax collectors and sinners in verse three. He says, which one of you men with 100 sheep and you lose one of them, will not leave the 99 to go after the one until he finds it. See, Jesus is implying that every good shepherd would do this. They will go after the lost sheep. It's not if he finds it, it's when he will find it. See, there's no other option but to find this lost sheep. See, walking or driving around buoy, right, we see signs of lost dogs and lost cats, don't we? And in my mind, this sign has been here for, for almost a year now. The sun has been hitting it. The rain has been hitting it. And I'm like, has this poor pet has ever been found? Right? 
Has it been restored to his owner? And I'm like, did the, did the owner give up? Or are they just expecting me to, to go out and look for their lost pet and bring it home to them? You see, we don't see that here with the shepherd, do we? That Jesus is describing here. No one is left in the dark wondering whatever happened to this sheep. See, everyone knows that what was lost was indeed found. You see, right here in this text, we see persistence. We see he, he will find it. We also notice that the remaining 99, they took, took the back seat. They took second place to the all-consuming task of finding the one. You see, well, take a look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, what woman having 10 silver coins? If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. See, the Greek word for coin there is drachmas, which means a day's wage. How many of you guys ever lost a day's wage? Right? She lost a day's earnings, and this coin wasn't easy to find. So she brings in some light. She starts cleaning up the house. Losing something gives you a reason to start cleaning up, doesn't it? She sweeps everywhere. She sweeps every little nook and cranny. And she doesn't stop until she finds it. I don't want you guys to miss what Jesus is teaching these grumbling spiritual leaders. You see, it may seem foolish to leave the 99 and search for the one until you realize that you are the one. You are the lost coin that God is constantly searching for compassionately. See, Isaiah 53 tells us this, verse 6. It says, we're all like sheep have gone astray. We all have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. You see, being a sheep is not a compliment. It's not. Being, being asleep, a, a sheep means that you're in constant need. You're in constant need of shepherding. You're in constant need to be found, to be cared for. Because you are confused and you're aimlessly walking throughout life. We all find ourselves far away from God because we have refused his love. We have refused his care. You see, like a coin, we are incapable of saving ourselves. The coin is lifeless. The coin cannot cry out like the sheep and say, I'm over here. That's you, church. You cannot save yourself. No matter how good you try, you cannot save yourself. You see, that's what the religious leader lost sight of. They thought that their good deeds, they thought that their sacrifices was good enough. They didn't realize that the one that was right in front of them was the only thing that they need. He's the one that kept the law perfectly. He's the one that laid down his life for the iniquities of us all. You see, church, there is one who is seeking way more than any of us could ever possibly look for. God is seeking out sinners, and he won't stop until he finds some. See, God is the good shepherd who is seeking out the sheep. He is the woman who is definitely sweeping and looking for this lost coin. See, God is the greatest. And in his great mercy, he has chosen to give us worth by loving us. When we had nothing in us deserving to be found. Nothing deserving to be rescued and thought of 
and brought to his table to feast. You see, once you grasp this, the truth, of, that you realize, realize the truth of that reality, you realize that there is nothing you have done or achieved that caused God to act on your behalf. You see, God loves you because he loves you. We sung about it. Grace, grace. God's grace. Grace that is deeper than all of our sins. See, this is an act of his grace that, he, that, he, that reaches down to us and delivers us anyway, despite our sin. See, God's grace never gives up. And that's why all that is left for us to, to say or do is say, why me? Why me? And maybe we have a heart of amazing grace. As he puts us on his shoulders and carries us home, how sweet the sound to save the wretch like me. I once was lost, and now I'm found. This is disciple-making, church. Seeking diligently for the lost until I did it found. So question to ponder. Are you diligently seeking the lost? Is that reflected in your priorities? And how you spend your time, your resources? And who you hang out with? Are you more concerned about what people think of you than seeking the lost? See, Jesus is calling us to, to be missional. To, to enter into his work, to be missional. Does that bring you joy? You see, this search isn't always going to be easy, is it? But the joy at the end makes it worth the cost. So lesson three, disciple making is rejoicing together when the lost are found. You see, notice what the shepherd doesn't do when he finds his lost sheep. He doesn't take them by the, by the neck and say, I can't believe I had to search all over the place for you. Is that how he responded? Why couldn't you just stay in the fold like the other sheep? He doesn't say that, does he? Instead, he responds the complete opposite. He lays the sheep on his shoulders and he rejoices all the way home. Is this your view of Jesus? Pastor Brady did a great job of showing us Jesus last week. Is that your picture of him? Is he gentle? Is he lowly at heart? Does he, do you see Jesus rejoicing over you? He's not condemning you, but extending his grace. You see, finding his lost sheep was a joyful experience. So much so that he couldn't keep it to himself. When he gets home, he doesn't throw the sheep into the fold and saying, that's it, time out. No more food for four days until you learned your lesson. He doesn't say that. He calls others. He calls his friends, his neighbors to celebrate with him because he has found his lost sheep. See, we observe in both parables that this rejoicing, this celebration, celebrating, it's both individually and corporately. 
You see, in verse 9, it says, The lady with the lost coin, when she found it, she called together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin I have lost. Then take a look at verse 7 and 10. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. See, here we see what brings joy to God. What brings joy to our Father is repentance. It brings joy to God to see an image bearer, a human being created in his image, turn away from their sin and turn to him. See, repentance is when a sinner recognizes that they're lost. They recognize their own sin. That is a big deal to the one who has created them, the one who is seeking them out. They realize that they cannot save themselves and that they bring nothing to the table and then decided to be rescued by the one who receives them. Just the way they are, empty-handed, he invites them to the table with joy. That's our Savior. See, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, God is inviting you into a relationship with himself and his flock. See, God is the good shepherd of this parable. His name is Jesus. And he loves you so much that he left his home. He left heaven to come down to rescue you. Because we're all like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has went his own way. We all have sinned. And let me tell you, if you continue in that sin, you'll be eternally separated from God. But the good news is you can avoid that cliff by repenting, by turning away from it and believing in the one who went to the cliff, the cliff of the cross. See, Jesus is your Passover lamb. He's your, he's your lamb. He's the lamb of God who takes away your sin. He is your substitute. He took your place. You see, on that cross, all of sin was laid upon Jesus. All of your sin. See, Jesus, on that cross, Jesus experienced what it meant to be lost. God turned his face away. Because all the wrath of God was placed upon him to bring you peace, to bring you into the fold of God. He laid down his life. Will you repent and receive Christ this morning so you can experience his joy now and forevermore? What about you, church? What brings you joy? Does it bring you joy to see someone who was lost found? Does it bring you joy to see people baptized? I'm so grateful that we get to, to publicly put on display what it means to be dead in your sin and alive to God. Does that bring joy to your heart? Do you remember the joy you felt when you became a Christian? I love this time of the year because at the end of this month is my spiritual birthday. And I'm always reminded of how I was deep in my sin and my trespasses and how God used his church to speak life into me, to transform me. Are you reminded of that in your own life? How God has redeemed you and brought you home? See, Jesus wants the whole world to experience joy. This is why he welcomed sinners like us. 
See, Hebrews 12, 2 says this. He says, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. What is that joy, church? It's you and me. You are his joy. You are his crown. The more you understand that you are the one who was lost and what it took for Jesus to bring you home, the more you will be compelled to befriend outsiders, to seek them diligently and rejoice with the saints when someone who was lost is found, when someone repents and believes. See, let's be a part of and rejoice in what Jesus is excited about and what he's doing. See, this place looking like a hospital is a glorious thing. It's not one to be criticized. We have an amazing opportunity to join God in his joyful work of seeking out the lost. Let's pray. God, you are amazing. God, your love is amazing. It's your love that was on display this morning, how you left the 99 to seek out the one, to seek us out. Jesus, thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for doing something we cannot do for ourselves, and that's live a perfect life. Thank you that through repentance and faith in you, that we receive your righteousness. We, we receive a seat at the table. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. God, Jesus, we can't wait to see you. We can't wait for you to come back. But until that day, God, help us to do what you're excited about. Help us to rejoice what you're rejoicing about. That there is joy in heaven when someone repents and turns. Thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing here in Bowie and around the world. We love you because you first loved us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.